Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Gracious and beautiful Lord, you are here, and we are here. Lord, may we be conscious of your presence with us. May we be here together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you on this holiday weekend. I know, just, I know that's not why you're here, but... You do get brownie points for coming to church and worshiping God on a holiday. (laughs) In all seriousness, though, when I was in seminary, uh, you know, in seminary you kind of do a deep dive into theology and biblical studies and Christian history. If you've ever been around any theologians, they will literally bore you because that's all they want to talk about is theology and all, you know. But, you know, studying the life and the mission and the ministry and, and the kingdom that Jesus proclaimed was pretty profound. And one day, I, as I, I was studying, I don't, I don't remember, it was by my computer and it just kind of dawned on me, you know, like I kind of came to this realization, if you will. I don't, I don't have the guts to follow Jesus. So I settled for being a Christian. It got really quiet in here just now. You're like, well, what's he talking about? By that I mean, it's one thing to believe that Jesus is my Savior, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I believe, oh, yeah, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, I believe, I believe, I believe, but I think it's something else, quite another, to allow this Jesus to literally be Lord of my life. You know what I'm talking about? By that, I mean for him to set the agenda for my life, for to make God's priorities my priorities, to allow his values to shape my values. Well, that's kind of challenging, right? I mean, let's face it. Some of the things that Jesus called us to do and called us to be and claimed that we are can be a little bit scary. Kind of takes us out of our comfort zones, right? They're challenging and maybe even sacrificial, right? Definitely uncomfortable though, right? See, I I mean, I'm an American. I was taught, born son, get an education, work hard. You can then take life easy. I want to take life easy. But here's the reality as I come face to face with Jesus. And I discover that Jesus actually wants to confront my self-preservation. He's not here to bless me and make my kingdom better. No, he wants to confront my self-preservation. He wants to confront just that self-centered rickness, you know, my selfish ambition. But here's the beauty. He invites me into life that is so much more profound, so much more beautiful, and so much more fulfilling. So that's why I say, you know, I don't have the guts to follow Jesus. 
So I'll settle for being a Christian. I mean, are you aware that Jesus, you'll probably already know this, but that's okay. It's a holiday weekend. We got all kinds of time. But are you aware that Jesus never actually called his followers Christians? Right? I mean, nor did the early church consider themselves Christians. It came out of Antioch, and I could go into a long story, but it was a derogatory term early on. It meant little Christ, etc., etc. But nevertheless, these folks that followed Jesus were known as followers of the way. Right? Um, or what we now call disciples, right? A disciple is actually more than a believer. I mean, it's one thing to believe in gravity. It's another thing to experience it, right? And likewise, it's one thing to be a, a believer in Christ and something quite else to experience that as a disciple because a disciple embraces the teacher's ways. Um, they embrace the teacher's ways as their ways, I want to look like my mentor, right? I want to emulate that. I like Carlos Santana. I want to play guitar like Carlos Santana or Eric Clapton. But I have to follow in their ways in order to do so. And that's what a disciple is. A disciple embraces the teacher's ways as their way. Disciples emulate and pattern their lives after Jesus. Now, interesting enough, if you've noticed this before, and some of you have seen the Rob Bell video or whatever, but in Jesus' culture, it was always common for the student to, always, to go to the rabbi and see if the rabbi would take them on as a student. So in some ways, a, ra a student would choose the rabbi. In this case, though, in Jesus' case, he says, I chose you. You didn't choose me. That has significant meaning. Because what Jesus is getting at, and one of the things you could say that he's saying, is that Jesus is saying, I believe in you. I believe you can do this life. I believe that you can live into this kingdom reality. I believe in you. He believes in us. That's amazing, isn't it? As we emulate and pattern and open our hearts to his way, his truth, and his life, something remarkable happens. Charles Hodge, y'all probably wouldn't like him. He was a Reformed Presbyterian back in the 19th century. But he was also one of the most influential American theologians. And he said this. He says, a Christian is one who recognizes Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, as God manifested in the flesh, loving us, dying for our redemption, and who, or listen to this, this is really important, and who is so affected by a sense of the love of this incarnate God as to be constrained to make the will of Christ the rule of his obedience, the glory of Christ, the great end for which he lives. 
I don't have the guts to follow Jesus. So I settle for being a Christian because Jesus is calling me into life and moving me into something more, more than I understand, more than I can see, more than I can imagine. And this is the very heart of the gospel lesson this morning. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. Watch out for those deeply devout religious people. And then he says this, that he will be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and said, that will never happen to you, right? But Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you're a stumbling block to me. For you're setting your mind on, not on divine things, but on human things. Okay, quickly. Y'all remember last week's sermon. I'm sure you do. <laughs> you may recall last week in the gospel, Peter was the first disciple to recognize and confess that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the appointed one, the son of the living God. But this week... So Jesus is praising him last week, right? But this week, he seems to completely misunderstand what that means. I mean, how did Peter go from being the rock on which Christ would build his church to a stumbling block, the um, standing in the way of all Jesus came here to do? I mean, what did Peter get wrong? What was that? I mean, Peter believed the truth that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He got that part right, but he failed to fully understand the way and the truth of what that meant. See, the disciples had this great hope that Jesus would lead them into a military revolution and overthrow the Roman oppressors, right? I mean, they did not expect a Messiah who rejected power and glory and violence and might and victory and all the tools of the empire. They were not expecting that. And they probably didn't want that kind of Savior, Messiah, right? They didn't expect a Messiah who embraced humility, generosity, service, compassion, inclusion, and the self-giving love for all people, not just them. But, you know, as I think about this, I have to ask myself, don't we all in some way, shape, or form want a strong God? Some of us even believe in a warrior God, you know, the one who will come and save us from all our problems. I mean, the desire, this desire of that kind of God, though, makes it hard to accept, I think, let alone celebrate Jesus' coming to us in vulnerability, suffering, in death. I mean, what kind of God is that? I mean, that is, of course, until we realize that it is in our own vulnerability, suffering, and death that we most need 
this God. And that is where Jesus promises to meet us right there. Jesus' role as our Messiah and his missions are to, are to save us, right? His, his role as a Messiah and his mission to save us would not, cannot, and could not be fulfilled until he suffered and died with and for us. Thus removing all the barriers between us and God and enabling us to take partake in the gift of salvation. This is important. Because on the cross, Jesus willingly took the violence. Jesus willingly took the contempt. He willingly took the indifference and the arrogance of this world, and he absorbed them into his body. And the cross is the place that all people, priests, prostitutes, princes, paupers, recognize each other as fellow sufferers in the need of God's saving love. On Christmas, we love to say, God with us, Emmanuel. Well, this is where God is with us. He doesn't stay on the mountaintop absent from our suffering. He doesn't stay on the mountaintop absent from everything that's wrong and it's broken in this world. No, He's a real God and He's really with us and He's really with you. And He comes straight into the brokenness, into the pain, into the suffering. Jesus didn't die to appease an angry God. He didn't die as an example of good behavior, but so that he could rise again and reveal the incomprehensible power of God to change the world, that he could show the world the lie of what that power and that lust for power and control will do and what the damage of sin that is refusing to be who we were created to be, what it does. And death and all that comes from that. He absorbs that to call it and show it for the lie that it really is. I mean, think about this. Jesus took an instrument of torture and he turned it into a vehicle, if you will, of welcome and communion and salvation for all people. Only God can do that. And it might not necessarily be the God that I want. But it is indeed the God that I need. Whew. And then, of course, Jesus tells them all this. And then he drops this bomb on them. You all ready for this? <laughs> He says, if anyone want to be my follower, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. I don't have the guts to follow Jesus, so I settle for being a Christian. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will profit if they gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? Now you understand why I said I don't have the guts to follow Jesus. So I settle for being a Christian. I mean, Jesus challenges me. But that's good. It's good. 
because Jesus seems to be wanting to lead us somewhere outside of ourselves beyond our wildest dreams and expectations for a life that only God could create and expect and want for us. He's taken us beyond ourselves. Do you trust that he wants to lead you into life? Life. But you know, as I read this and think about it, you know, what if Jesus is really calling us to stop clutching at our lives, at our little individual lives, so desperately? You know what I mean? To step out of that vicious cycle of denial or personal gain or terror and fear and violence that, that, that cheat death, right? That seek to cheat death only to actually rob us of the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. I mean, what would it look like if we laid down our fears so that others might live? I mean, like Jesus, you know, to willingly set aside our own interest and our own freedoms. I know. I know. He wasn't American, okay? I get that. And he needs to get on board, right? But no, seriously, what if, what if, honestly, he's calling us to set aside our own interests, just for my own self-preservation and my own freedom and my personal right to myself to maybe identify myself with those who are aching and weeping and longing for freedom and relief and suffering. What if that's what it means to literally find myself as one with God and one with others? Maybe that's what he meant by this abundant life. You know, to live in a way that actually reflects God's love and acceptance for all people. So that we can prioritize what Jesus called the great commandments. You know, love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. Maybe that's what he means. You know, I was looking at Paul's reading from Romans and perhaps that's what it means to lay down our cross. You know what I mean? To follow Jesus. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Give one another, give, <clears throat> love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, but be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Perseverance in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. See, the cross isn't about suffering for the sake of the gospel. It's about finding the abundant life that Jesus came to bring us. 
It's about finding the hope and the healing and the peace and the joy and the meaning and the purpose in this life. And there's no other way to find these things than by losing our lives for Jesus' sake. Yes, it's true. We can settle for being Christians, but let's not pretend that that's the version Jesus calls us to. He came to offer us more. He died to give us more. And he was raised to promise us more. And he invites us to deny our right to our own ways of life and to become his disciples if we want more. May God give us, grant us the faith, the grace, the strength, the courage, the love, and the guts to follow him. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.